This is Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to Slick Talk. If I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Slick Talk. This one is titled Sabotage with Brett Jenkins. If you've had a report done with us, then Brett might have been the one to write it. And I say that not only because she is a writer here, but because she writes a lot of reports. She is a writer whose productivity is unmatched around the building. So if you've sent in a sample from your car, your truck, your airplane, well, not only would Brett possibly have written it, but she would have written it well. She's one of the best writers on staff, and it's because of her unique approach to report writing, which is what we're going to break down. But we also want to do it through a specific lens, that being sabotage. Because if you suspect contamination via some means of sabotage, well, you can expect some of those contaminants to show up in testing, but not all. And furthermore, we're going to break down how specific contaminants can show up. So if you're in need of oil analysis to delve into the possibility of sabotage relating to the oil you're running, well, Blackstone Labs could be the answer. So we're going to break those instances down for you as well as help you get to know Brett. Without further ado, here's Brett and I in studio. When I got the outline for this episode, which not every episode has an outline, sometimes I'm just going and then other times it's very like research heavy. But when I looked at this one, sabotage, I got a little excited because I felt like you're going to bring up some interesting reports and instances, maybe customer interaction. So what can you tell me about the content we're going to be covering today? It's actually just about the Beastie Boys song. When we sat down, I wanted to make a cheeky remark about the Beastie Boys, <laughs> but I didn't know if you were even going that direction. And I'm, now I'm just upset with myself, but that, that song absolutely rips. So other than the Beastie Boys, who you know are very important for reasons we might get into later, what instances of sabotage are we talking about? So customers call in often asking if we can detect if people have been tampering with their engine or their fuel tank. So a lot of times, you know, there are a bunch of fuel samples that I looked up for today's episode of people who think that there have been like sugar put into their mm -hmm. yeah. gas or their, their tank of diesel or something like that. And one of these I see is in reference to a go-kart course. Ooh, yes. What can you tell me about the customer and the situation surrounding the samples? That's a really, it seems like something that would be in like an episode of Schitt's Creek or something. Mm. <laughs> but it was two brothers and one of the brothers called in and he was like, ah, my brother and I had a falling out and... <laughs> We used to own a go-kart company together, but now we're, we split and it's two companies. And he came over and he sabotaged all my go-karts and he put sand in them. So he wanted to see if we could figure out if that actually happened. Yeah. So I don't know whatever happened with those brothers. We're not in a position to interrogate people as analysts per se, but I would have instantly thought, do you think he did it with sand because you guys have sabotaged other people with sand? Right. And then you thought, there's only one other guy that knows how to do this. But 
about this though they wanted to send in the sand or he wanted to send in the samples checking specifically for sand so i suppose in our testing if that was to be a contaminant we'd probably see like a lot of silicon perhaps yeah high silicon i suppose maybe insolubles could read high mm-hmm. too yeah you know i i searched and searched for those samples i put in every single keyword that i could yeah. think of so when you are looking at examples of sabotage i just want to return to the go-kart course and so in cases where someone calls with these kinds of concerns uh what are you going to establish with them about our testing and kind of what to expect in a report yeah so if it's somebody who has not sampled with us before i give them the rundown on basically the four main areas of what our testing does cover the spectral exam and Mm -hmm. how it will sort of give you the, the picture of how the engine is wearing the contaminants that will show up in the spectral exam the insolubles test and what that means and in terms of oxidation of the oil, solids in the oil and where those come from, the viscosity and the flash point and how that can detect fuel dilution or solvent-based contamination depending Mm. on what kind of system it is. And then water, of course. And in his case, obviously, he was mostly concerned with the silicon content Uh and or possibly insolubles. And he was wondering if that analysis would be beneficial for him in solving this family crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of people might not know when they are a first time customer and they're suspecting a problem, I think what's always kind of tricky is that if we haven't seen the engine before and we don't know the maintenance history and the sample does look kind of ugly, you kind of have to take into account the fact that it's our first impression, right? Because like, who knows how he was taking care of the go-karts, right? Like, was he taking good care of them? Because if not, Maybe there is a high silicon level, and maybe that's because he hasn't been mindful of all the ways the silicon can get in there, other than from his dirtbag brother. <laughs> Good pun there. Dirtbag brother. More like sandbag brother. Oh, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I see also um, you brought up that we've received roughly 300 engine oil and fuel samples where sugar is suspected. Uh, what can you tell me about the difficulties of detecting sugar and whether or not that's something we specialize in? Yeah, the difficulty in detecting sugar is that, like I mentioned earlier, we can see if there is visible material in the gasoline or diesel fuel. What I'm not willing to do is taste that. No. Although, I will say Samir did taste test one sample. That's true. And a few months ago, Justin licked a filter. No. Yeah, he did. Are you kidding me? Uh Uh-huh. Because he thought there was sugar in the filter, and it was sugar. I'm going to ask him about that tomorrow. It could have been Luke. It was either Justin or Luke. I don't think Luke does... I, I don't know. I don't think Luke would go that far. I, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. I'm going to be working on aircraft filters with Justin tomorrow. Um, and, Ask him and about the filter licking. I'm a company man, Brett. I'm a company man. <laughs> We're all and, company and, men. And, and that is not something that I'm willing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, circling back to the sugar, though, uh, as you've noted, uh, we don't have a specific test for it. No. It's kind of one of those things where if it is very prevalent though i i would think it this is one of those situations where you might be able to check into this yourself right yeah like i've seen samples that 
clearly has like a brown crystally sort of substance at the bottom if you think that somebody is pouring brown sugar into your engine mm-hmm. is it like what kind of law is that the most plausible explanation is the one that probably happened yeah uh, was that occam's razor? occam's razor yeah anyway I'm a data analyst. Yeah, I can tell you what the, uh, the results are, but explaining how they got there. I can say what we saw, but we don't have a glucose test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just something that I feel is worthwhile to bring up because as long as there's brothers in the world, there's going to be sabotage and it might involve sugar and they might find us and give us a call. So they should know whether or not something that uh, we can look into yeah. for them. This goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, okay? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, if anyone knows of two warring go-karting factions and has updates on how that's going, let us know. I don't think we've heard from them since. No. Okay. Moving on. DEF contamination. People may not know that we analyze DEF, so can you talk a little bit about diesel exhaust fluid testing and uh, what we can do with it? I'm not sure that I've analyzed a lot of samples of just straight DEF. Mm-hmm. Most of the interaction that I've had with DEF is people who are testing their diesel fuel mm-hmm. and they're like, oops, I put DEF in my in my diesel tank. Right. Which in that case is, is quite easy if you have a lot of it. You know, the, the separation of the water from the fuel is going to be pretty obvious. But yeah, yeah with those... Well, those DEF samples, you're just looking for a, ure- a correct, you know, urea percentage. And um, obviously... Yeah, it's about 32.5%. I was looking at a sample yesterday that I kind of want your input on as far as the approach and the situation. Okay. So this is sabotage of another means. So it's a BMW owner, S54 engine, and he took it to a shop and told them to let the car warm up a certain amount of time before taking it for a test drive. This was an alignment shop, I believe. And the mechanic did not warm the car up per the customer. Um, And then they were revving it at high RPMs. And the vehicle went into limp mode. And then this is all per the customer's observations. So he was sure there was going to be metal. There was a ton of copper, I think roughly like 54 parts per million and everything else was normal. However, he also noted that there was a recent rod bearing replacement. Okay. In this situation, I think that's honestly more likely that we're looking at wear in with that copper level than a serious problem. But what would you add or perhaps say differently about that situation? I concur. First of all, I would add that if the engine were to incur damage from whatever his alignment shop did, it's unlikely that copper would be the only metal to be reading high. Right. When there is a problem and copper is reading high, typically other metals from adjacent wearing parts are going to read high as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Because copper is usually just from bushings. If it's not just from like wrist pin or rocker arm bushings, it's from things like the bearings. Mm -hmm. So if the bearings are not doing well, aluminum or lead and tin are also going to rate high. Yeah. And again, everything else looked amazing. And I think also just to add, what a lot of people probably don't know is that in a wear-in situation, copper is almost always dominant, right? Yeah. 
almost every single wear and sample. Mm-hmm. I mean, occasionally I'll see one like super clean wear and sample, but that's like far and away not the case. Yeah. So I think it can disappoint folks sometimes, but more often than not, when you suspect like serious damage due to an episode, whether that is um, a filter that wasn't on tightly, um, a fill cap that was not on for 500 miles, you know, um, I think it would surprise people how often things generally look okay. Yeah, I've seen samples from people who claim to have run their engine without oil. For, I never know what to do with that when this. For like, yeah, you know, more than just a, a minute or two. Yeah, and my suspicion is that the, you know, since you don't get all of the oil, all of the oil out during a change, mm-hmm. the twenty percent of the oil or roughly that much that's left in the oil or in the sump was enough to keep the engine lubricated enough that like it didn't do any serious damage. Mm-hmm. And I think just the these short-term events often, you know, going along those lines of, of, of how the damage often isn't there. I had a, a instance where a customer ran only Marvel Mystery Oil in their car on purpose, which is what they wanted to do, and they drove the car around the block like three times and then dumped all of that out and then put regular oil in there and just sent us a sample of the Marvel Mystery Oil that had been running. And obviously, we would never recommend someone do that, but I think the fact they only drove the car around the block a few times saved them from winding up with serious damage from not having actual good motor oil in there. Why did they do that? They thought they were cleaning it like really well. They thought it was going to work as like a cleansing flush just running MMO. Well, this was fun, Brett. We're going to have to get back to the data, unfortunately. But thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Stay slick. I always do. (laughs) Good stuff. Okay. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that talk with Brett and I. This episode was truly a long time coming because not only has Brett been around Blackstone for a while now, she's always expressed interest in joining me on the podcast, so it was long overdue, especially since, well, long-time listeners might recognize the Paul Blart episode. That was all thanks to Brett for staging an elaborate ruse where I received multiple Paul Blart items. Go back and find that episode if you haven't listened to it yet, by the way, but back to today's show. Thank you so much to Brett for joining me. It was a fun chat. We broke down quite a bit and we also have some bonus content. So if you liked what you heard and want to learn even more about Brett and I chopping it up, not only about oil analysis, but movies, music, what we're into in general, stay tuned because we have a little bit of bonus content just for you. As always, if you like what you heard today, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. This is Blackstone Joe, signing off. The Slick Talk Podcast is powered by Blackstone Laboratories, If you're ready to start your oil analysis journey, visit blackstone-labs.com to order your free test kit. What made you... Okay. So...
how did you find out she hadn't seen Moneyball? He asked me if I watched it before. Well, yeah, we were talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Because mm. Josh good... has not seen the talented Mr. Ripley. Well, it's better than Saltburn. You should definitely just watch that. Did you watch Saltburn? I have not seen it. That's new, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Emerald Fennell, the director of Saltburn, who also made Promising Young Woman, was like, let me just pretend that no one has seen the talented Mr. Ripley, and then I'll I'll do that, but do it edgy. Okay, I'll watch it. I've been seeing like the thing pop up for it whenever I open Amazon Prime or something, or Hulu, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's better. Okay. Brett Jenkins. Jet Brankins, robot <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> if you were to pick one karaoke song for the rest of your life, which one is it? Monster Mash. Wait, what? are we recording? I don't know. Mo- yeah, we are. Monster Mash. Okay. Why? Because it takes people off guard, especially if That's it's true. not October. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it's just a it's a good time. I feel like anyone should be able to perform that as well. It's not like asking someone to do like Celine Dion. Yeah. It you don't sh- you don't need a good voice to sing Monster Man. You just need heart. Yeah. You need passion and bad dance moves and I have both. Me too. <laughs> Especially the bad dance moves. I've seen them. I've seen them at work. What? When did you see me do any anything at the resembling Green Fog. dancing? That was just karaoke. I wasn't dancing. Was I dancing? You were swaying. All right. Well, I sway. I sway to the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you were in a car and you had one album to play for the rest of your time, what album would you bring with you? Rain Dogs by Tom Waits. <clears throat> That's a great choice. It's my favorite album of all time. Of all time. Of all time. What's your favorite song on Rain Dogs? He's got himself a homemade special. <laughs> like, How do you think Tom Waits gets away with it? Because I love that he does, but I feel like he's the only one. He's too weird for people to call him out. I feel like there's a line, and if you step over it, people are just too scared to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Licorice Pizza? No. Tom Waits is in that. He's in every... Does he play the devil in that movie too? Because he's the devil in like three other films. No, but he is like a very mythical type of persona in that movie. He's just like this known guy in the community that Licorice Pizza is set in. And he happens to... You just... You have to get to see it. Okay. I'll put His that His name on. though is Rex Blau. That sounds like it could be Tom Waits' actual name. I know. And so in the movie, Sean Penn, who uh, also has a bit role in it, he sees Tom Waits off in the distance and he goes, is that Rex damn Blau? And then Tom Waits swivels around and is like his hat is all like turned to the side like this. And he goes, <laughs> who said Blau? <laughs> Fantastic way to meet him. Okay. That was just some preamble, possibly bonus content for the people. Okay. A little Easter egg. All right. 